Welcome to the perfect place for imperfect people. This is the Local Church Podcast, and we hope this message both challenges and encourages you. Here's today's message. Welcome, church familia, those online, those at Everglades Correction, all my church family in this place today. Welcome back to the local church, the perfect place for imperfect people. I'm Eric. I'm the chief of imperfected people, and I'm so glad to be here today. And I wouldn't be here today if it weren't for an experience that I had at a summer camp back in 1993. I know I'm dating myself right now, but back in 1993, I went to a summer camp where I experienced the love, the grace, the hope of God in my life, personally experientially, I realized how much I was loved and it transformed me for the good. From, from beyond that point, when, 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 I, when I came to that camp, I was just, just like a, a normal, imperfect teenager, except I had a drug problem. My mom drugged me to church every Sunday. She forced me to go to this camp. And I was like, man, I don't want to go to a summer camp with a bunch of Christians. But, but like our teenagers experienced this past summer, I met some lifelong relationships. I got to have a whole lot of fun. But more than anything, I got to experience the hope of God in a real way. Any teenagers here that went to our local youth summer camps, our kids' street camps, make some noise. Come on. Let your parents know you're here. Woo, yeah, that was fun. We had 94 teenagers and children give their lives to Jesus this past summer over our three summer camps. So grateful for that. And so I remember this summer camp. I remember the moment that I realized everything's changed. My gosh, I'm a new creation. I'm loved. I have hope. And from that point on, I live with purpose. Like, I know what my purpose is on this earth, and I love living this life. And all of that happened because of, of God's love for me. I got to experience that in the summer of 1993. That was my origin story. Now, I know when we talk about origin stories, our minds immediately go to like superhero movies, right? There, there's so many superhero movies over the past two decades. And, and the purpose of these superhero origin stories is to build up a bigger story, to build up a bigger universe. And, and we know these origin stories, don't we? In fact, some of them we've seen multiple times in remakes all throughout the year. So we're going to do a little quiz today. Let me, let me know if you know these origin stories. If you know the answer, shout it out. How did Peter Parker become Spider-Man? He got bit by a radioactive spider. Listen, for you, for you students that are going back to school this week, you passed the test today. So just have that hope. If you fail on Friday, you pass it today. Oh, right, here's a little harder one, okay? It's, it's getting a little bit more difficult. What was and is the source of Wakanda's and Black Panther's powers? Vibrant, come on, yes! The young folks know it, the older folks are like, Vibrant, who, what? All right, this one, this one, maybe all of us might get, okay? Tell me the heritage of Wonder Woman. She's an Amazonian, and all the women said, amen. That, that was my Amazonian war cry. Somebody like, what? Okay, final one. This one, simple, okay? This is like graded on a curve. All you should know this. What made Batman go into the vigilante business? I love it. Last service, everyone said, the parents. The full story is his parents died, okay? But we're not gonna talk about that here. Listen, what's the point of these origin stories? These origin stories, they help the, the viewer get connected to the main character. 
to, to, to make them personal to us. And, and without these origin stories that so many of us are familiar with, the Avengers wouldn't be as appealing as it was. Or anyone here like DC movies? Make some noise. Perfect place for imperfect people. You can. We got two people. It's okay. Jesus loves you. So do we. DC is number two. Uh, take that however you want to. But yes, I meant it the other way. Like, without these origin stories of Batman multiple times over and Wonder Woman. and uh, Like, the, the, the Justice League wouldn't be as intriguing as it is. And so all these, these movie studios, they're, they're putting so much effort into creating these cinematic universes to tell these stories that, that point to a, a much bigger story. And so today, as we continue this series, Blockbusters, as, as we look at some of these larger-than-life supernatural stories found in the Bible, what I want us to understand is these aren't the origin stories of superheroes of the faith. These are all telling one story about one hero. The whole purpose of this Blockbusters series is for us to see that the origin of Jesus wasn't at that first Christmas in Bethlehem surrounded by animals. That Jesus has always been with us. Always. In fact, Hebrews 13a, you can follow along on the screen. Open up your app. Here's what it says. It says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's never changed. He's the same God. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So today, as we continue blockbusters, I don't want to talk about the origin of, of cinematic universes. I want to talk about the origin of our universe, okay? So turn your Bible to the first book of the Bible, Genesis, first chapter, first verse. You can follow along on the apps at home. You can follow along on the screen. Genesis 1.1. It's up there. Here's what it says. Read these first three words with me. It says, in the beginning, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, everything was new. How many of us love new? We like new things, yeah. New car, new car smell, new opportunities, new memories, new relationships. We all love new things. But here's the problem with the world we live in. Eventually, everything gets old, doesn't it? Eventually, everything starts to deteriorate. And not just products. It's not, that, you know, I get an iPhone and the next year I get a new iPhone or they, they have a Superman origin story and then five years later, that's old, they have a new one. It, it's, it's relationships. It's our health. Everything eventually gets old. Turn to the person next to you. Let, let them know. You're getting kind of old. <laughs> Don't do that. Why would you do that? In this world where everything eventually gets old, is there any hope for new? In this world where some of us are experiencing deteriorating health, broken relationships, fractured opportunities, is there any hope for us to experience a fresh new start? I'm telling you, just like I experienced that hope in 1993, just like 94 students and children experienced new hope for new life this past summer. Just like we celebrated last weekend, 21 people took a, a, a new step of faith in, in, through baptism with Jesus. I'm telling you, this hope is available and it's real. 
We live by several values here at the local church, and one of them is hope. We say that hope happens here. Say that out loud. Say, hope happens here. Here's what we mean by that. I can be all that God wants me to be no matter who I used to be. No matter what my origin story was, there is hope that I can be everything God's created me to be. We have that hope available to us. Do we know that? Have we experienced that? How can we get back to that? The answer for this new hope is found in the beginning, when everything was new. So again, let's go back to Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. It says, in the beginning, who? God. Can I just pause right there and say, if you believe Genesis 1, 1, that in the beginning, God, it shouldn't be difficult to believe the rest of the Bible. Because this idea that in the beginning, God, it's, it's mind-blowing. It's hard to wrap our minds around. God has no origin story. No one created God. He just always was. Or to be more biblically accurate, he always is. Now, I'm, I'm not going to take much time to unpack that because it's hard to wrap my my brain around that, like my, my brain is oozing out because it's, it's difficult to think, what do you mean? He has no origin, he always is, he's always existed. No one created him, he's just always been there. And as difficult as that is to understand, it doesn't mean that we can't know him. Today, he wants us to know him. He wants us to see his goodness and his hope from the very beginning. And so in the beginning, God, that word God is, is the word Elohim. Say Elohim. And what that means is mighty and strong and creator. Elohim shows us his, his personality, that, that, that he is, is powerful, that he is creative, that he created everything. He made everything. He makes new. Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created. The creator created the heavens and the earth. Now, a lot of recent blockbusters, they, they talk about the origin of the universe in like supernatural, uh, fantastical type of ways, whether it's like six infinity stones that created everything or celestials that, that, that built everything. And then on the other side, we, we, have, we have like archaeologists and, and, and scientists and astrologists and physicists who say, no, 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 it's not as supernatural as that. It's scientific. There was the Big Bang. All of it just happened. And I want to let you know here at the local church, we're okay with that. We're okay because it's both. It was God in the beginning who began everything. It was God who made the Bang Bang, right? God started. From the very beginning, he spoke everything into existence. He created the heavens and the earth at his command. And when we read that word created, the Bible uses a word that, that's only associated with God. It's not creating something out of, out of a substance that was already there. Only God can create something out of nothing. God spoke everything into existence out of nothing. One of my top 10 favorite blockbusters of all time. Some of you are going to judge me for this. I don't care, you know, because a blockbuster is just a movie, again, that we learned this last week, that's popular and successful. And so one of my favorite top 10 blockbusters of all times is the movie Chef. Anyone watch the movie Chef? 
Yeah, yeah, some of you are like, what is that? It, it, it's, it's just a real simple movie starring John Favreau, and, and he's like the, this chef who, who wants to go back to his roots and making people happy, so he buys this food truck, and then what does he make? Cuban sandwiches. Come on, this should be so close to our hearts here in South Florida. He just takes these simple ingredients and makes these delicious Cuban sandwiches and gives them to people and makes them happy. And I love this movie. And part of the reason I love this movie is because when I was in high school, I thought I could be a chef. I was actually the number one junior chef in all of Dade, Broward, and Monroe County. I promise you, I won first place. I, I got a scholarship to Johnson and Wales University. I was like, nah, I don't need that. I'm gonna become a pastor. But for some, for some point of my life, I really thought that like I could become a chef because when I made people food, I made them happy. When I cook for my friends, they're like, Eric, this is so good. This is so delicious. And so today, I want to come clean about something, okay? Ms. Bullard, my home economics teacher in the 12th grade, I, I'm not a phenomenal a genius type of chef. Let, let me come clean today. This is what I used. <laughs> How many of you know what this is? Yeah, this is Goya Sazon con Asafran, right? <laughs> like, I would put this on everything. I'd put on chicken and shrimp and steak and pork and cookies. And, and, and I just, you know, I felt like the Korean essence of emerald. I'd rip this open and bam, bam. And, and I'd make all these new delicious creations. People were like, this is so good. What an original masterpiece. Is that what really happened? No, of course not. I'm not creating something new. I'm just simply adding MSG and, and food coloring. Like that's all I'm doing. Because when we create, when I create a dish, when we create masterpieces or art or apps, we're taking pre-existing material. But God, he's the only one who can create something out of nothing. And he created not just something, God created everything with one tool. Sasson, no, no, no. What was, his, what was his one tool? It was his word. It was the living word that he spoke. Genesis 1, 2 says, The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. The earth was originally an uninhabitable place, but there was hope that it could become something beautiful and good. Just like in our lives, it feels like nothing can grow out of this. There is no hope, but, but, but through God's word, we can experience the creation of something new. Genesis 1, 2, and says, and the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. That word spirit also means breath. So God's creative breath was hovering over the waters, and it would come forth as speech. It was his word, the word of God. And then we see it in Genesis 1-3, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. He spoke his word, and it eradicated the darkness. When God's word is present, darkness has to flee. When God's word is in the place, every form of darkness is eradicated. This is the hope that he brings. But I don't want you to miss this. When he spoke, let there be light, and there was light, this wasn't the sun. This wasn't the moon. This wasn't stars. That didn't happen until day four. So what happened was there was a light in creation, in the universe, in the world, without even the world being made, without even the sun being in the sky. 
So here's what I want us to do. I want us to look in the beginning for the hope that, that God wants to bring to us today. And there's six things that I want us to notice of what happened through the word in the beginning. The first thing I want you to write down is this. The word of God illuminated the darkness. Write that down in your notes. The word of God was spoken and it illuminated. It brought light to the darkness. The second thing, we just read about that. The second thing is this. The word of God brought order to creation. It illuminated and eradicated whatever was dark and then it brought order to creation. On the first three days, we, we see that, that, that everything had been formless, but then God brought order to it and he called it good. Genesis 1.5, God called the light day and the darkness he called night. He brought order to time. Verse eight, God called the expanse heaven and he called, called the dry land earth and the waters that were gathered, he called the seas. God, God brought order to the earth and to the environment. And again, what was originally an uninhabitable wasteland, God looked at and says, no, now this is good. Third thing I want us to see is the word of God filled the voids. His word filled the voids. The first three days, God, he, he, he begins to form and bring order. And the next three days, we see that God is filling all the voids of the earth. Genesis 1.11, God said, let the earth sprout vegetation and plants yielding seed and fruit trees bearing fruit, which is in their seed, each according to its kind and on the earth. And, and so it was. And so the earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their kinds and trees bearing fruit, which is in their seed, each what? According to its kind. He filled the skies with birds and the seas with fish and then the, the grounds with beasts and, and, and underneath the soil with creepy crawling things, each one according to its kind or its type. But he wasn't done yet. In fact, on day number six, he was about to create his crowning achievement in all creation. He was about to create the most important thing on planet Earth and this divine creation begins with this divine deliberation. Look what it says here. Genesis 1.26. Then God said, let. Put a little asterisk by that. Underline that. We'll get to that in a few moments. Let us make man in our image after our likeness. Rather than be cre being created according to its kind... Mankind, we were created one of a kind. Our kind is not gorillas and monkeys and talking chimpanzees named Caesar, okay? This isn't the planet of the apes. We're not descendants of monkeys. Our kind and our image and our type is made in the image of God. God took us. And everything else in creation was created with nothing, but God took us, made it his image out of something, and then he did this. The fourth thing I want you to see in the beginning. The word of God breathed his life. The word of God breathed his life. Genesis 2, 7. Then the Lord formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. Not just alive, but eternally living. God chose the most humble form of matter on the planet, dust and dirt from the ground, and he infused it and breathed into it the most glorious and powerful thing, his breath. 
We were made in his image and we have his breath. And what that means is now we are living. We are fully alive. We are eternal. We are eternal beings because we have his eternal breath. In fact, we are the only beings and we're the only creation that have the ability to live forever. And for those of us in a relationship with Jesus, we have the ability to live forever with him. Amen? Genesis 1.26, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion and authority over the fish of the sea, the birds of the heavens, and every living creature that moves on the earth. And what we see right here is God's divine purpose for us, his destiny, why he created us. Fifth thing, the word of God gave us the image of God. The word of God gave us the image of God. We see his desire and our destiny right there, to, to be with him, to be like him, to rule with him and like him. Now I want to pause right there and I want you to understand the incredible value that you have. Are you aware of that? God created you with purpose and intention in his design. He created everything and said, this is good. The chairs are good. The trees are good. The aardvark, it's weird, but it's good. But, but when he created me, when he created you, when he created mankind, he says, this is very good. You're so loved. You weren't created simply to exist. There's hope that we can have. And some of us, we need to hear that today. We need to understand that what God says about us, if it doesn't line up with what we think about ourselves, we are in all the right ways wrong. You are not good for nothing. You are not worthless. You are so loved. You are an original masterpiece. You are so good. He created Mankind says this is the crown of his creation. And this isn't, this isn't Forrest Gump. This isn't mama always told me. You know, like moms, they, they have to believe the best in their kids. You're going to do so good this year. Like even if they don't believe, they have to say that. Amen. Don't say amen to that, parents. This is God who never changes, who never lies. And he says, you're so good. I've created you with destiny and purpose. Genesis 2.1. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the hosts of them. And on the seventh day, God finished from his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all the work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, set it apart, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. The sixth and final thing that I want us to see that happened in the beginning, I want you to write this down. The word of God blessed completion with rest. He didn't simply command rest. He blessed completion. Everything was finished and he blessed it with rest. God did not rest because he was tired from working, okay? 
Now, I, I used to do that every Sunday when I was done teaching. I'd go home and I'd tell my family, I don't have any other words to say. Kids, don't talk to me. Talk to mom. I can literally speak no more words. Leave me alone. And then I realized my number one ministry isn't here with you. It's at home with my family and my wife and my children. So now I'm present even though I'm tired because this is not what it means to rest. It's not, I'm just going to take a break from my work. God wasn't tired from working. We all understand this so. You know, after a long week, we want to take a break because we're tired. But this isn't who God is. God rested as an intentional example to those of us made in his image that everything's done and that we can take time to see how good it is. He invites us to say, look how good it is. Look how good your life is. Look how, look how good I've made everything. And I know we have the temptation to, to kind of just rest. You know, some of us, we don't want to come to this place. And, and some of us, we, we, we see our, our children and, and, and we have to go back to school next week. And moms and dads, I know some of you are so excited just to send your kids back. But, but we, we forget to see the goodness of God in our lives, even through our children. I want to encourage you as you're getting ready in a super long car line just to give God thanks for, for the blessing and the goodness that he's given you through your children. Vacation's good, amen? Come on, man. I want to go on vacation often, but this isn't vacation. This is taking intentional time to pause and to praise God for, for all the goodness he's done in my life. And that, that, that's why we're here, in fact. This is why we sing songs. And so let's do this, okay? For the next 15 seconds, can we give God praise for the goodness he's done? Can we do that? Let's do that right now. Let's give him praise. Thank him out loud. God, thank you for my children. Thank you for my, my marriage. Thank you for my singleness because you're keeping me from some boneheads. Thank you for getting me through this situation. I still may be sick, but I've made it another day. I have a church familia. I have a job. Thank you. You have something in store for me. Amen. It's taking time to, to give him thanks. God, you're so good. And now I can rest in what you've done. A little side note here. Now, this is so important, I want to have a side note for it. One of the ways that we can live for God is by resting in God. How, how do I live my life for him? One simple way is just to do what we did. Take time, periodically, intentionally say, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, that I have gas in my car. Thank you, God, that, that, that I have a fan or an AC. Thank you, God, that you're not done with me. Thank you, God, for the promises you've given to me. You want to live for him? He gave us this example of rest and praise for him. And so what we just read, that's the origin story of the universe. But it's, it's not complete. I don't know about you guys, but, but there's some movies that like, I love watching where it's multiple storylines and they all converge at the very end for you to see, whoa, that was working and that was working. They were in different cities and different times and all of it pointed to this. This is the origin story of the universe, but it is not complete. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to turn your Bibles to John, the fourth book of the New Testament. John chapter one, verse one. At home, you can follow along on the screens. You can follow along in your app. John 1, 1. While you're turning there, here's what I want you to understand. John doesn't begin Jesus' origin story at his birth like Matthew and Luke do. 
John wants us to understand that Jesus has always been with us. And so it says in John 1, 1, see if this sounds familiar, read it with me out loud. In the beginning, Genesis 1, 1, in the beginning, God, John 1, 1, in the beginning was what? The word. Now this is the word logos. This is not spoken word, written word, blogged word. This is expressed image. This is active word. In the beginning was a word and says the word was with God in the beginning. And then it says what? The word was God. It gets more pointed. Verse two. He, he was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him, not anything was made that was made. In Genesis 1.1, it says, in the beginning, God. That word God, do you remember what it was? It was Elohim, strong, creator, mighty. But here's where it gets deeper. That word Elohim is plural. So we're like, this is too much, man. I go back to school in three days, okay? Here's what this means. In the beginning, God is not one. He's three. He's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. So you go all the way back to the beginning in Genesis chapter 1, the first four words of the Bible, we see Jesus. He was there in the beginning. Not only that, John helps us to see that he was in the beginning, that he was right there from the very beginning, not as someone who's watching over things, but someone who is actively a part of it. Again, John tells us that, that word is logos, logos. And what that means is not simply the expressed image, but, but the outward expression, the active agent of God's power. This is a Jewish uh, word that, that the Jews and the Greeks all believe to mean the, the agent of the power. So what that means is every time in Genesis chapter 1 when it said, and God said, it's talking about God the Son. It's showing us Jesus. He was the one speaking things into existence. He was the one putting the cosmos into motion. And for some of you are like, eh, that sounds a little bit crazy. Like, I've never heard that before. I thought it was God and he was a spirit and all this stuff. But the disciples understood this. Listen to what Paul says to the Colossians. Colossians 1.16, they understood this. He said, for by him, Jesus, all things were created. In heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through Jesus. And what else? For him. That means everything exists by him, because of him, and for him. Turn to the person next to you, tell him, this ain't about me. Don't say this isn't, okay? You can say that next week when you're back in school. This requires improper grammar because it's so important for you to remember. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, this ain't about me. We're not the hero of this story. Next week, we're, we're, we're going to talk through some of these stories and we're going to see, Man, that ain't about me. I'm not the guy taking down the giant. That was Jesus. I'm not the guy who rescued the people. That was Jesus. This isn't about us, but it is for us. 
We get to be a part of this. We get to be part of experiencing hope and giving this hope to humanity. It continues on. It says, Hebrews 1.3, it says, He is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. So not only was everything created by and for him, he actually sustains everything. He holds everything up. This is how he can say peace to the storms in your life and they have to stop. This is how he, he, can, he can be intimately involved in your life and mine all at the same time as though we were the only ones who mattered. Now, what does this mean practically? Because again, some of you are still like, what? Jesus was the one in the beginning? Well, I'll make this very simple for us today in 2022. We don't have to worry. Turn to someone next to you, look them in the eyes, grab them by their shoulders if they're your family and say, why are you so worried? You don't have to worry. Hakuna Matata, right? There's this blockbuster that came out several years ago called Shazam. It was probably, you know, the most lighthearted. Yeah, some of you are like, yeah, yeah, DC can make like one or two good movies. And if you don't know the synopsis of the story, it's a, it's a story about this, this young boy who meets this old decrepit wizard who gives him these supernatural powers to become a superhero. And he has several friends. And one of his friends, he knows his friend is a superhero. And so now he's no longer afraid of bullies. It's like, my friend has power. You can't mess with me anymore. Think about that. Our friend, our savior has power. He's for us. He loves us. He's with us. He has power. So why do we have to worry about anything? We don't. Our friend is powerful. We don't have to worry anymore. It continues on, John 1, 4. It says, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Darkness can never overcome light. Jesus' light eradicates the darkness. It says, the true light, which enlightens everyone, for God so loved everyone in the world, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the, word was, the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. This is the light coming into the world, and this is why there can be light in the darkness, even though there was no sun or moon, because it was Jesus. It says he created everything, but the world did not know him. And then it continues on in verse 14. And the word, the logos, became flesh, and he dwelt among us, and we've seen his glory, his expressed image, his, his essence, glorious, the only son from the Father, full of grace and full of truth. The word of God that, that made the world stepped into the world as one of us. And he gave us hope as he showed us who God is. The goodness of God, the love of God from the very beginning. But more importantly for us to see that he is God from the very beginning. The things that he did is nothing new. He's always been this way. Jesus has always been creative. Jesus has always been the same. And the same things that Jesus did in the beginning at creation is the same things he did while he was here with us. Do you remember those six things we talked about that the word did in the beginning? You remember those? You wrote those down? Yes? Humor me? Yes? At home? All of you? Yes? Great. Thumbs up. 
Jesus did the same thing while he was here. First thing I want you to see, we talked about the word of God in the beginning. Now I want to talk about the word of God, Jesus. Jesus, he illuminated the darkness of the world. Just like he illuminated the darkness in the beginning, he illuminated the darkness in this world. In John 8, 12, Jesus stood in the temple for everyone to see, and he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Listen, you don't have to walk in darkness. You don't have to walk in despair. You don't have to walk in in destruction. He wants to, to reveal to you the hope that he has and the love he has for your life. Just like in the beginning, he brought order. Jesus brought order to the disorder in this world. In Mark chapter 4, he he stands at the stern of the boat and calms the raging seas and says, Peace, be still. He controls even the environment. He holds everything in his hands. We don't have to worry. If he is in control, let's let him be in control. Let's, Let's let him lead us. Just like in the beginning, he he filled the void. Third thing we see is that Jesus fills the emptiness of the world. In John chapter 2, his first miracle, he's at a wedding and the embarrassed host runs out of wine. And what Jesus did was he laid hands and he prayed and he turned these basins full of foot washing water to the greatest wine the world has ever seen. He filled up those vats. What we see in John chapter 6, he's standing on a hillside teaching And then everyone gets hungry. And and they need to be filled. So he grabs this little boy and borrows his Lunchable and breaks it and multiplies it and fills everyone's stomach. In Luke chapter 5, he stood out on a shore and and, and called out to these tired fishermen and said, cast your net on the other side. And they did it. And their nets were filled. In John chapter 4, he told a woman at the well, I will satisfy you. I will fill you so that you will have no more need in your life. Jesus, he fills what is empty. Younger people, look to your parents and ask them, what has satisfied you in this life? For those of us walking with Jesus will say, nothing has filled us more than the hope we have in him. Not the opportunities not the bank accounts, not the vacations. Addicts, look to those who have been set free by Jesus and you'll see that he's the only one who can ever satisfy our deepest longings. He fills the emptiness of this world. Fourth thing we see, just like in the beginning, he he breathed his spirit. Jesus breathed new life by his spirit into the world. In John chapter three, he, he sits with Nicodemus and he says, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear it sound, but you don't know where it's coming from or where it goes. So he says, so is everyone who is born of the Spirit. And this is the hope we were talking about in the beginning. This is the hope we have to be new one day. We can have new life. We can experience a new birth by his Spirit being inside of us. We can experience hope and love and forgiveness forever because of his Spirit. Fifth thing we see, just like Jesus, just like God in the beginning and Jesus through the beginning showed the image of God, Jesus showed what it means to be made in the image of God. And he showed this to the world. John 1.18, John says, while no man has seen God, Jesus has made him known to all of us. Again, Hebrews 1.3, it says that we're made in the image of God. 
And he is the expressed image, the exact imprint of God's nature. Meaning he showed us proof of what it means to be made in the image of God. He, he showed us what it means to, to be made in that image, to be holy, to be good, to be sinless. We were made in his image. And some of us are like, well, if I'm made in his image, I'm not holy. I'm not sinless. People wouldn't describe me as good. I, I have some thoughts in my head. I did some bad things. But you're made in his image. And he makes you good by the good work he's done. He's forgiven all of your sin, past, present, future, yesterday, today, and forever. He makes you holy, which means set apart for him to use. He shows us truly what, what it means to be made in his image as we walk with him. He, he came to, to rescue us, to fix what was broken, us. And the sixth and final thing is I invite the worship team to come out. Just like in the beginning, he, he blessed completion with rests. In this world, Jesus invites the world to rest in his finished work. In Matthew chapter 11, Jesus stands before a crowd of people who are weighed down with burdens, who are tired. And he says, all of you who are weary and heavy laden, all of you who are carrying a burden that seems impossible to bear, he says, Come to me. Come to me. He invites us to, to be with him and he promises us, I will give you rest. Some of us here today, we're sick and tired of trying and trying and trying and, and never moving forward, of trying to be good and continuing to fail, of trying to be controlled but never seeming to have a grasp on things. Jesus came to give us rest. He came so that we can, we can rest in the work he's already done. Anything that would ever need to be done for us to be made right with God and be in relationship with him, Jesus said on the cross, it's finished. You don't have to strive any harder. You, you don't have to work beyond your ability. I've done it all and now I'm inviting you to rest to rest in the work that, that I've already done by, by receiving my grace and my goodness in your life. This is his good news from the very beginning. This is who he's always been. So let me ask you this as we conclude today. What's your origin story? Do you have an origin story? Because your origin story didn't begin at your birth. God did not create you simply to exist on this earth and die. He created you to be in relationship with him forever. So your origin doesn't begin when you were born. Your story of redemption didn't start on your birthday the good news and the hope of this story is that it did begin at the beginning. From the very beginning of creation, God had you in mind. Today can be the beginning of a new life for you. Today you can experience a second genesis 
in your life. A new beginning in the Son of God who's loved you forever the same. Before you were born, before you messed up, before you screwed up in all the ways that you thought were impossible to fix, he's loved you. And if you would believe his love for you and receive that, it's not just enough to, to have your mind tickled and be like, wow, I never saw that before. But to respond to this living word, it will produce life in you. Thank you for listening to the Local Church Podcast. If you enjoyed today's message, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast and review and share what you learned today. You can connect with us at thelocalchurch.com or by searching The Local Church on your favorite social media platforms. We hope you join us next week for a brand new episode. And remember, you matter to God and you matter to us.